Welcome to the Estate Planning Made Simple podcast by LSPN, one of the nation's largest and best estate planning networks. The information provided on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for general information purposes only. Well, I'm glad that uh, that we could meet again today. And, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, planning for your legacy. So over the last few weeks in this podcast, we've been sharing a little bit about um, things to consider as part of your overall estate planning, your documents, make sure that things are protected. One of the things I think that we overlook, and sometimes we put it into a different category in our mind, is the idea of legacy planning. So, you know, when we think of estate planning, we think of documents. When we think of legacy planning, it sounds very intangible. So hopefully what we talk about today, we'll put it in a little bit more concrete terms and we'll help you to understand kind of how it relates to estate planning in general and why it's so important to consider what your legacy is when you sit down and think about your future plans for your estate or your family and for emergency planning and, you know, all the things that we've been talking about on this podcast. So the, the first thing is, you know, what is a legacy? A lot of times when we think of a legacy, we think, well, that's just, you know, the money I'm going to leave behind, the assets I'm going to leave behind. That's the legacy for my family or for my kids or for my, you know, for, for whoever I plan to leave it to. But the reality is a legacy can consist of lots of different aspects of, of things, right? It doesn't have to be just assets or just money. Uh, it can be a legacy of memories. It could be a legacy of um uh, of giving, right? Of, of being involved in f- philanthropic activities, or it could be a legacy of uh, uh, experiences. It could be, you know, there's any number of different things that a legacy can consist of. And most of the time we limit ourselves on how we leave a legacy to only the assets, right? And so if you want to leave a legacy of money, it's very simple. You, you can You can get the biggest, fattest, you know, life insurance policy that you can qualify for millions of dollars and you can leave that in perpetuity right and that's going to leave a, a legacy of money that's very easy to, to to leave a legacy that's going to last that's going to perpetuate that's harder right so there's a story that we talk about all the time that uh is related to kind of this idea of leaving a legacy and the difference between whether you actually leave a legacy that will continue or whether you leave a legacy that just kind of evaporates. And that's the story of the, the Carnegie's and the Rockefellers. So for those of you who are not familiar with the, the stories of these families, you know, the Carnegie's and the Rockefellers were both extremely wealthy families. Uh, John D. Rockefeller at his peak was the richest individual in the history of the United States at the time. Uh, he had built a, a, an enormous, you know, empire uh, that consisted of, you know, uh, the oil industry and before that kerosene industry and, you know, stuff like that. And then, uh, and then Carnegie became kind of the steel mogul in the United States. And he was the only person to rival Rockefeller at the time in terms of wealth. And so these are extremely wealthy families. They had, you know, in today's dollars, billions of dollars. And the interesting thing is, if you look at the Carnegie family and the Rockefeller family, you know, there was a lot of similarities between them. There was a lot of, you know, charitable giving. There was a lot of, uh, you know, large businesses and enterprises and wealth and everything that transferred. But within three generations, the Carnegie family 
had lost almost all of their wealth and the Rockefeller family still had significant amounts of their wealth. So what's the difference? Why was there a difference between the two? And how was the Rockefeller family able to maintain that legacy of wealth from generation to generation when the Carnegie family was not? And the answer is, um, and there's actually a really good book, if any of you are interested, uh, that you can go look up. It's, it's called What the Rockefellers Do. And basically in this book, it explains that the difference is the mindset that John D. Rockefeller went into his planning with. And his mindset was he didn't want the wealth to be distributed and therefore to be lost. So if you think about the average estate plan, the regular, normal process of things, somebody leaves a will, they leave a trust, they leave you know instructions that they want to divide out their assets to their kids, and then their kids receive it and they go spend it or they go use it or whatever. And maybe some of that gets passed on to the next generation. But over time, the, the wealth basically shrinks because it's being split into different shares for different people and used for different things. And eventually it's going to dissipate. John D. Rockefeller didn't want that. So he wanted the wealth to be maintained centrally. So he established what we call today a dynasty trust. And this type of structure allows the wealth to all be maintained together. And every time that the, the money, the wealth, the, the value leaves, and it's given to somebody within the family to help them with starting a business or with college or whatever it is, that money is going to come back because it's given in the form of a loan or it's given in the form of you know, a payment out that's going to be repaid through life insurance or there's some method that that money comes back and then it perpetuates for the next generation. That's what, you know, you look at uh, large uh, universities and those sort of things where they have endowment funds. That's the idea of the endowment fund. Yes, the money's being used, it's being spent, it's being invested, it's being, uh, you know, given in scholarships, but the money's always coming back in some way. And that's the idea of perpetuating that wealth, right? So, you know, the average inheritance lasts less than seven months, whether it's $10,000 or $10 million on average, it's going to last less than seven months statistically, right? So if we want to preserve those assets or the, that wealth or that, you know, um, legacy of money, then we need to have something that's going to main maintain the, the legacy in the way that you would have wanted it to be maintained. Otherwise, uh, you know, human nature will take over, right? And it's just going to uh, take the path of least resistance, which means it'll probably just be spent. And, and a lot of us, when we do our planning, we think, well, I just want it to be simple. I just, you know, I don't really care that much. I'm going to be gone. So what if I just, you know, give everything to the kids and I don't care what they do with it. They, they you know, live their life. Right. But the thing is that if, if we saw sometimes what happens when we do that, we would roll over in our graves, right? Yes. I don't care how my kids spend the money, but if they're spending it on drugs or alcohol or that sort of thing, then uh, I do care, right? Or I don't care who they decide to leave it to, but if they get through it, if they go through a divorce and they have a, you know, a, a witch for a, a wife or a husband and they, and they decide to, you know, leave all the money or, or, or half the money ends up going to that person, then you would care, right? So a lot of times we imagine that we don't have a preference 
and especially after we pass away, that we that we won't have a preference on what is done with our stuff, with our money, with our with our connections, with our values, you know, any, anything that we want to leave to the next generation, we imagine that we're not going to care anymore. But under certain circumstances, we actually would. And so if it's important to us, we need to put something in writing, some kind of framework to perpetuate what we want out of our legacy, right? And so there's a, we came up with a recipe for how you leave a legacy, right? And, and this recipe is pretty simple. We're not going to go into a lot of depth today, but we're just going to share what this recipe is. And then in future uh, podcasts, when we touch on this topic of legacy planning again, we'll go into more depth. But the idea of the planning your legacy is number one, again, whatever assets, whatever money, whatever, you know, you're going to leave by itself is not enough in order for it to establish a legacy. Beyond the actual, uh, whatever wealth or, or, or whatever the item or whatever it is, whatever you're leaving beyond that, you, you need to have guidelines and those guidelines need to be in writing. It needs to be in a, a legal form, right? And so that's how it crosses over into your estate planning. If you have a will, if you have a trust in the, in the case of John D. Rockefeller, he had a dynasty trust. It gave guidelines on what he wanted to see, what was important to him, how it was supposed to be used, right? And those guidelines then are what's going to be followed by the next generations and from generation to generation, right? So those guidelines form the framework for what is going to happen with the assets and therefore what the legacy translates into. The second piece is not the guidelines. You need to give a purpose for why those guidelines exist. So I know a lot of us are parents. I'm a parent, right? My my oldest kid is is nine. Um, they don't always listen to everything we say. And if we tell them to do something, they might question it, right? They might have their own way of thinking. They might not understand why we're telling them to do something. And even though it might be good for them, they might not want to follow those rules or they might not want to follow those guidelines, right? And so we need to give context because without the context, then, you know, especially anybody who has a rebellious streak in them, they're going to question it and that they may or may not do it. And even if they do do it, they might not do it properly, right? So we want to get into their mindset. And the only way to do that is to give the context for why those guidelines exist. And so what you want to do is you want to leave expressions of value, expressions of your values, right? And so, so the idea is to, to provide the context for why you set up the plan, the guidelines, the instructions this way by putting it into context of what's important to you. And so, you know, those expressions of value can take the form of like an ethical will. It can take the form of expressions of, you know, of love, of, of caring, of, you know, why certain things are important. You know, uh, maybe you're leaving money and you say, well, this money is going to be used for grandchildren, great-grandchildren to pay for college. Why? Because I feel that education is the pathway to success or whatever it happens to be, right? But that's your expression of value. So now they know why you left the guidelines, why you left those instructions. Now you have to add to that the, the third ingredient, which is the context for why you have those values. Because again, you know, just because I think that something's important, my son, my sister, my, my cousin, whoever I'm, you know, speaking to, they might not agree. They might not hold those same values. 
they might have different experiences in their lives, right, that make them think in different ways. Uh, you know, we talk about politics and how divided the country is, right? How are you going to get a room full of, of people and just imagine from generation to generation getting a room full of people that all agree on all the same things? Well, it's probably impossible. And so what you want to do is not just tell them what you think and why, but you also want to give a context for it because then they can put themselves in your shoes to understand why you think the way you do, why those values are important and why they should be perpetuated, right? And so as you put together these expressions of values, the third ingredient is to leave your life stories because that is what informs why those values are important. And so the, the context of, you know, your life experiences are what color the way you see the world and providing those life stories, whether it's in the form of your personal memoirs, maybe it's specific stories from, you know, your experiences, your life, maybe it's saying, you know, by the way, you know, I think that it's important to make sure that we can defend ourselves because I was in the military or because I you know, had this experience that happened to me where I was not prepared to defend myself and it was a bad experience or there was, you know, whatever it is that colors your experiences that make you believe the way you believe based on your personal life, your personal experiences. That's what you want to also hand off to the next generation. And this goes not just for your family, by the way, but if you want to leave a, a legacy in business, if you want to leave a legacy in, uh, in an organization, uh, maybe a nonprofit or, or some other institution, and, and you want to make sure that things are going to continue in the way that you envision them continuing, you want to provide those guidelines, those instructions in writing in a legal form so that they can, they have to be followed, right? Or they, or at, at a minimum, they're, they're likely to be followed. And then you want to inform it with those statements of intent, those statements of, of your values, right? Your value, value statements. And then finally, with the stories of the institution or of your life or of, you know, whatever is going to inform where those values came from. And that is the foundation for leaving the legacy. And so, you know, when once you have those three ingredients, then you can... Um, start to, uh, to, to rely on a legacy that can perpetuate from generation to generation that will last beyond yourself. So the question is, you know, when we do planning, when you think of legacy planning in particular, the question to ask yourself is how do you want to be remembered? When, when you're gone, how do you want the individuals that are part of your organization or part of your business or part of your family, how do you want them to think of you? How do you want them to remember you? What are the things that maybe after you're gone and, and uh, especially if it's something that's unexpected that you would want them to be reminded of? Maybe you can build into your plan methods and ways to remind them of your love, right? Or to remind them of your example. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example of that. We have one of our attorneys in, in our firm and she was telling me one day about her grandfather sorry, her father and, and his grandchildren, right? And, uh, and he would take them out to uh, 7-Eleven, um, you know, on, sun, on, on Saturdays or Sundays, I don't remember which, but on the weekends to, to basically just to spend time with, with them and, uh, and, you know, a couple of the grandchildren at a time or maybe all of them at a time, and they'd go get Slurpees or whatever, and it was just a good experience. 
And one time, one of the grandchildren was acting up. They weren't, they weren't being good, right? And so she says, oh, you're not going to 7-Eleven with grandpa. But grandpa comes back and says, no, they can come to 7-Eleven regardless of whether they've been good or not, right? They don't have to earn it. They don't have to earn my love to you know, go to 7-Eleven. And it bothered her. And so she kept thinking, well, why is that? Why, why would he allow them to go even whether they, you know, they should or not, or they earned it or not, or, you know, why is that so important to him? What she didn't realize, and she realized later, was these were the quality moments of, uh, you know, where, where he was able to connect with his grandkids. It, it wasn't about the reward. It wasn't about the Slurpees. It was about quality time with grandpa and being able to, you know, it's an expression of his love and, and connecting with them, right? So if grandpa passes away, what if there was a fund that allowed for, you know, people in the family to be able to take the grandkids or to take the great grandkids or whoever to 7-Eleven on a weekly basis or once a month or whatever in memory of grandpa? Well, that means something. It only means something if they know where it comes from. And it only means something if it's, you know, something that is perpetuated, that continues, but that sort of thing can be set up. Same thing with, you know, we have some of our clients that have vacation homes or they have, you know, they have their beach house or whatever, and they want to leave that in the family. They want it to continue from generation to generation to generation. Well, that's great. But why, you know, when the great-grandchildren or the great-great-grandchildren sit down and they say, why are we keeping this house? on the beach, nobody ever uses it. Why do we want it? Why, why don't we just sell it, right? Well, because the trust says we shouldn't sell it. Well, that's not good enough. You want to give context, right? So we have one of our clients that, you know, she has a beach house. She wants to leave it for the family. But what's important to her is that the family stays connected. So we put into the documents and say, okay, well, uh, you know, we, we want the family to have a regular family reunion once a year. We want them to, you know, have, you know, family uh, outings and, and, uh, and holiday events, and we want them to all come together. And that's the reason for this house. Keep this house because every year when you do, you know, these special events or whatever, holidays, we want the family to come together. That's important to us. And then maybe share some examples of why that was important to them, Right. That's the basis for leaving a legacy that will continue. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, some things that will be helpful as you think through planning your legacy. We're going to open it up for some, uh, some question and answer. We did have one question here uh, in regards to, um, I, I guess they said, if, if I've written a book, how do I make sure that that, you know, continues because there's only a limited copy of, of, of the the item or the book, right? So, um, you know, one of the things that, and that happens all the time is we, we do planning for collection collectibles. We do planning, like, for example, I have a client right now that we're helping with, uh, he has a, a big car collection. Well, as big of his, as his car collection is, he doesn't have enough cars to leave for everybody in the family. Right. And, and a lot of collectibles are more valuable if they're all maintained together. Right. So we can't leave it for everybody. But there are some things that you can leave for everybody. And the memories are something that you can leave for everybody, right? And we can find a way to be able to perpetuate those memories or those values, even if we don't leave the actual items or assets. In the case of personal memoirs, I mean, in today's world, those things can be digitized. 
Uh, if you have a book, maybe a family history book or something like that, there's no reason it has to be a physical copy. Th those things can be perpetuated and they can be shared and they can be you know, transferred and so on in other forms that everybody can receive. And, um, you know, we have one of our clients who has a, a big gun collection. And so he wanted to leave, you know, one or two of, the, of his pieces uh, to, to different grandchildren and different children and so on. Um, but again, you know, the, the whole collection is what's impressive. And so what we did was we put together a book that had pictures of each of the different pieces. And it would actually give a little story of how grandpa got this gun or got this, you know, firearm. And, uh, and, and, one, and a couple examples from history of how those were used. And, you know, and then you have this whole story, but every person that received one of the guns received a little letter from grandpa also saying, you know, this is my 22 when I, you know, went hunting for my first time, uh, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and now, you know, a, receiving a gun, that's one thing, but receiving the memory is another thing. And so that's, that's one of the things to consider and to remember as you're doing your planning, how do we make it more meaningful and how do we pass on the memory instead of just the item? Let me just finish with one last story. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, um, currently <laughs> at an event with a, with a pretty well-known author, right? And he was just sharing with everybody about the, the idea of when he first wrote his first book and why and how, kind of how that happened. And he, uh, he was actually on the stage at an event um, and he was, uh, you know, sharing with everybody some thoughts. And then afterward, everybody swarms him, right? So there's a few hundred people, a couple thousand people that swarm him and they're asking him all kinds of questions. And everybody keeps asking him what the name of his book is. And he tells them that he'll send them a copy. But he doesn't have a book, right? He hasn't written a book. And then, uh, and then so that he goes and writes the book, right? Um, but he's talking about how that ended up opening doors for him professionally, right? And, uh, and how it just kind of changed his approach in business and what he did and how and everything. Um, a lot of times when we think of our legacies <clears throat> and when we think of our estate, we think of it as something that we do once and then we forget about. But the reality is that if you want to have a, a legacy that will perpetuate, it's something that you need to cultivate, right? You need to devote attention. You need to devote conversations. You need to devote relationships to facilitating that legacy. And in a lot of ways, it can change the way that you live life. And it, it can give more meaning also to, to how you live life. And so I think, uh, I think it's valuable for us to, to be considering our legacy as part of our planning. This has been Estate Planning Made Simple, a podcast by LSPN. Join us next week on Clubhouse and on all major podcasting platforms.